Today's Beanpot special episode of Puck University is brought to you by Stacy's mom. She's got it going on. Welcome back to Puck University for this Beanpot special. I'm Tim Williams, your host, joined this week as usual by InsideHockey.com's Chris Lynch, who was at last night's game where Northeastern, the Northeastern Huskies, won the Beanpot and they won it convincingly. Chris, I still can't believe we're at the point that we're going to have some of the conversations we're going to have today. Not just that Northeastern won, but how they won. Yeah, I mean, if you were following on the uh, following this team that for most of the season, I think you could believe it. The only difference is if if you put the talents wearing Northeastern jerseys at Harvard or at BU or at BC then this would be entirely believable. But what's so shocking is not that the, the right team won. And I will say that kind of begrudgingly because I am a BU fan, but it was the right outcome because Northeastern was so clearly the best team. When BU fought, they actually outshot Northeastern 40-27 to 27 in the game. But Northeastern was the better total package unit. So what's shocking is that best talent and really some of the best talent in the country is wearing a Northeastern jersey this season. And that's led by Adam Gaudette who took the tournament MVP and had a hat trick in the game. And what a way to end. He had a hat trick with just seconds to go and the actual hats rained down on the ice. So it, it, it was very cathartic to watch as a Northeastern fan. And the the entire team had a great tournament. Caden Primo stood on his head. You mentioned BU had 40 shots in that game and came away with two goals. He Primo did an incredible job in net, but Gaudette really showed himself as the MVP of that tournament. He had a huge tournament, and what a final game, scoring from odd angles. Even his empty net goal was a tough shot. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this before we started rolling and recording this, but I think, yeah, Adam Gaudet is probably with, with uh, the most points and the most goals in the nation. He's your front runner to be the Hobie Baker Award winner right now. We've got a lot of time left to uh, to sort things out, and I would say C.J. Seuss and Anusta would be two guys to pay attention to from Mankato or maybe Andrew Church from Penn State. Uh, or Kale Morris from Notre Dame, just for guys to pay attention to as the rest of the postseason comes along the way. But Goddett was incredible. Against BC, he had a goal and two assists. And against BU last night, he, uh, he had a hat trick. So that's six points in uh, in two Beanpot games. And his three goals, one came in the first period, 
off an interesting angle. The second one came late in the second period with three seconds left. He fired it on Ottinger from right along the goal line about five feet away from the net on the left side of the net, and it bounced off of Ottinger's stick and into the net. And the last one, Northeastern was trying to kill off time. And BU had scored a goal with the goalie pulled. And the second they scored that one, I thought, there's still time for them to make this interesting. And I wonder how many Northeastern fans are thinking, oh, no, don't, don't do it to us. This year, when we're up 4-1, don't, don't let BU come back this late. But they cleared a puck deep, and uh, Goddard had to win a race to a puck that was near the goal line, like very near the goal line. And Chad Chris, a BU defenseman, was out in front of him. Goddard wins the race to it gets his stick around Chris to control the puck to himself and drops the puck in the net. And I've never heard the garden louder for any hockey game. And the only time I've heard it louder for anything, uh, louder than when Godet scored the empty net to seal the game, was when last year I went to a Celtics game in which they played the Clippers and Paul Pierce played his final game in a basketball uniform in the Garden, and he hit a three right at the end. If the Garden, it was only louder when Paul Pierce did something, then you've done something special. So you got to praise Gaudette for the way that he played in this tournament. It's to, to no end, I think. And the crowd was, it, it even spilled over to television. It, I, I thought early on in the game that, Nesson might have mic'd up the doghouse because you could hear everything they were saying. And it took me almost the entire first period to realize, no, that's just how many Northeastern fans showed up. And that was kind yeah. of the first sign that something was different in the final to me was it wasn't just that Northeastern fans showed up. They showed up with keepsakes, with signs, with this confidence that Going into the final of the Bean Pot, I don't think Northeastern ever had, possibly not even in the '80s when they won four of them. And that I—that's what made me feel that this really was something special. This was going to be different because mm-hmm. it everyone showed up without the baggage for once. Yeah, and let me just speak to. Uh, so I got. Actually, check out my Twitter at CC Lynch Wall on Twitter. I have a photo comparing, contrasting just the student fans in the upper bowl who showed up to the garden. BU had two and one half sections, not counting the band filled up. Northeastern had eight sections packed, top to bottom, every single seat jam packed across the top row of the garden. They packed the place. So for one, as an alum of Boston University, I am completely and totally embarrassed by my school that more people did not show up to this game. So I must direct some criticism towards BU for not churning out the number of people who could be able to go to it because you go to the bean pot if you're at BU. So I'm just let me just get my disappointment out there. Two, that was a lively and spirited crowd. Maybe the best I've ever seen at any college hockey game. So and they got into it. They had some creative and and uh, entertaining cheers that as a BU guy, I just laughed at and thought, 
uh, you're doing pretty well right now, guys. Uh, and I checked some of the highlights afterwards because uh, Hockey East posted the Beepot title highlights, which were uh, from the Nesson broadcast. They didn't mic anybody. They were actually that loud, and they were actually that jam-packed. It was something to behold. I was, you know, I I live in Florida now, so I was watching from my living room on uh, through through the computer, and it was amazing just to see the crowd. And by the way, there is an advantage Northeastern has in getting bean pot tickets, and that's co-op jobs. That half of Northeastern students at any given point are actively working so they're getting regular paychecks so they can probably just go get bean pot tickets a little easier and that that, mm-hmm. that that's always kind of one thing northeastern students have is they usually have a little bit of money in their pocket at least half the year and then they wonder where it all went after that but <laughs> it it was it was a wild night. I was getting relays from friends that were there and from just people that were posting things to Twitter. There was a line outside Punter's Pub. As I mentioned before, this is going to be the last bean pot it sees by the end of 2018. It's going to be property of Northeastern University, and they're going to turn it into something else. I, I think their plan is actually to turn it into anything else at the moment but it it was always kind of a spiritual home for northeastern hockey fans and there was a line around the corner apparently on monday night after the after the bean pot so it's great to see that they got one at the end too it's just the the release of it was something to behold and I have three statements. We already touched on one, so I guess you would agree with the first one that Adam Goddard is the Hobie Baker front runner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 44 points, 21 goals, 23 assists, and he's leading the nation in points per game at a 152 pace, followed closely by uh, by his teammate and linemate Dylan Sikora at 1.5. I mean. You could conceivably make a case that maybe you could flip a coin between Gaudet and Sakura, but as the centerman, it's Gaudet's run that he's on right now. So, yeah, I'd say he's right now the leading candidate for the Hobie, which comes with the noted and gigantic asterisk of uh, there's a lot of very important and very meaningful hockey left to play. Yes, and and that's something the bean pot will do. It will trick you into making a convincing case for a team or a player, maybe a little more than you should, because it's the first of the major tournaments to really take place. So you get to see, we got to see Northeastern at their absolute best and got dead at his best. So he has the highlight reel. And these are things you vote on, remember, things like the Hobie Baker. So Highlight reels are going to matter in the end, and you're right. There's a lot of hockey left. There's a lot of time for everybody else to put up theirs, but Gaudet now has his film reel that he can, you know, that makes the Hobie case for him already. So that makes him the front runner, but there is a lot of time left. So I would agree with that. My next statement, and tell me if you agree with this, Northeastern's top line is the best in the country. No hesitation. No 
hesitation whatsoever. They've got two of the top three scorers in the nation in Goddett and Sikora. And Nolan Stevens is tied for 30th in scoring, and he does not get enough credit. But Nolan's the captain of the team. Nolan's the guy on that line who does all the dirty work, and he can knife his way through. Northeastern's first school, I actually think that with all, even with all the goals that Goddard scored, I don't think any of them were the most important in the game. Nolan Stevens' goal was the most important that was scored because BU had two chances and one where they uh, mashed one in, but it was mashed a goal in by Primo in the first three, four minutes of the game, but it was called back for goalie interference. And then a second one where it's just a fluke bounce where Logan Cockrell is behind the net, throws the puck out in front, and Caden Primo accidentally, with his own stick, knocks the puck into his own net. So uh, just to swing the momentum and just to make sure that everyone knows this isn't going to be the same old result of Northeastern getting hyped for the bean pot and, uh, and the Terriers are going to end up winning it. Nolan Stevens knifing his way through the Terrier defense was the most important goal of the night for Northeastern. They have, without any hesitation, the best line in the country. I'd agree with everything you said about Nolan Stevens' goal. And to add on it, BU didn't just have a goal and then a goal that was you know, called back early in the game. They were firmly in control of the action for the first few minutes of the first period in a way that made it look like they were going to control the game and they were going to revert to their talent level rather than the level of their play throughout the season. And it became, you know, I'm experiencing it as a fan, so it was a terrifying moment for a Northeastern fan that it, there was a here-we-go-again kind of a sense to it. And the Stevens goal, which was in itself a highlight reel goal, really this tournament produced a great highlight reel for Northeastern's entire first line, as well as for Caden Primo. But it, that first goal really opened things up and really it, it was another one of those sign that signs that things were different this time around that this is the same one, northeastern team can i throw out a stat about uh, about kate and primo that's kind of amazing if i could sure. uh just throw out one random thing that's in my head right now sure so kate and primo faced across the two games 77 shots 37 against bc in round one and saved all of them 44 shots, uh, excuse me, uh, 40 shots last night. He saved all but two of them. So he saved 75 of 77 shots that he faced through the whole tournament. That's the third highest save percentage in the history of the bean pot. John Curry had a higher one in 07 for BU, and Rick DiPietro, who at the collegiate level, is one of the best goalies we've seen. It didn't work out for him at the pro level because he was injured, but he had the highest one with, I think, a 981 save percentage in the 2000 being pot. And so what Caden Primo did as a true freshman, he backed that team to a point when the offense was cold to start. That's, that's a great assessment. And my third 
kind of analytical statement. This is more of a Northeastern centric statement than, than a college hockey analysis, but I think it's pretty clear. The number one figure in Northeastern hockey history now is Jim Madigan. Oh, I think this tournament just, if he wasn't already there, this tournament put him there. I mean, he was a player on the early eighties teams helped to win a bean pot and make Northeastern's to this point, only frozen four trip in 1982 was an assistant coach on the 88 team, which was the last one to win the bean pot. And since becoming the head coach in 2011, he's turned Matthews arena into a completely miserable place to play for a road team from coming from a BU perspective. I don't like going over to Matthews because we, we haven't done well. Even when uh, Jack Eichel was at BU in 2015 and we smoked a lot of opponents, we only tied at Northeastern and lost at home. Madigan has turned that program into one of the premier Hockey East programs and really one of the nation's best. So I think for a historical perspective and for the state of Northeastern right now, you're 100% correct. It was really a, a monumental win for for his program. It it's funny because in a lot of ways, winning Hockey East is a larger trophy. You actually get an automatic bid into the NCAA's for winning Hockey East. But there's a lot of, especially in the for these teams in a national context, there's a lot that seems to be riding on the bean pot. I honestly can't take a team seriously as a national championship contender if they're one of those four schools and didn't win it. Because to mm-hmm. this day, nobody's won the national championship without winning the bean pot first. Which brings me to a weird position because that's actually true of Northeastern now. They, you know, they they don't they aren't near the front of the pack for championship contenders. But the Northeastern Huskies are a national championship contender. Their first line makes them one of the best teams out there. And when they get into the NCAA tournament, look out, because this is a very dangerous team. I've been waiting to say that because, again, I I didn't want to say that until today. But Northeastern is truly a national championship contender this year. Oh, yeah. I've thought that for a while. I've I've really thought that for a long, long time. And they're only uh, ranked 14th in the nation. I think that if the if the, if, the, if the season were to end today, then they'd be in the national tournament, and they would be criminally, I dare say, almost disgustingly underrated based off of the pairwise and where they're uh, where they rank right now. So I hope genuinely hope for their sake that they can uh, improve and win. They've got two more series this season. This weekend, they're going to be in Vermont. They hope they sweep the Catamounts for their sake. And uh, then they play a home-and-home with Dick Umili's Wildcats at UNH. And that's I think that's going to be a tougher series than, uh, than what people give it credit for. I think they'll win at home. I think they'll have a tough task to uh to go in in Durham. So if they can win three of those four and then improve their performance, I, I think they're the favorites 
to uh, to win out in uh, in Hockey East because I think they're a better total package team than Providence, and I think they're clearly a better team than Boston College is right now. And those are the two teams up on them in the standings, just the way that they're playing right now. Well, and they outplayed Boston College in the first round of the Bean Pot. They didn't just win. It, it was it was much like last night's game. It wasn't just that they won. It was that they they looked like the better team throughout most of the game in how they played and how they ended up winning. That it, it's hard for me to to put BC or Providence over Northeastern. I think they're the clear favorites in Hockey East right now even though BC's leading the conference and will likely win the regular season title for you know the Hockey East. You know what's crazy about that? Because there was a game before the BU-Northeastern uh, matchup, and it was the consolation game between Harvard and BC. And for just for national standings and purposes, I think that game matters some because uh, – BC proved that they have some real talent and that they're going to develop with the cores they've got right now. Harvard also proved that they can win against a pretty good team without Ryan Donato. So the way that game went, because there was no uh, television broadcast of any of this stuff, uh, the first two periods were slow as pond water, with each team getting a special teams goal. In the you know, Harvard got a power play goal in the first period. And uh, BC got a shorthanded goal from Chris Brown in the late in the second period. Harvard got some good looks on the offensive end, and even had a goal by Donato, Jack Donato, the younger brother of Ryan, who played pretty well and uh, gave his team a lift when needed. So even without Ryan playing on this continent, there was still a Donato who scored a goal for Harvard, which. Yes, Coach Donato was asked about this in the press conference afterwards, and he laughed and enjoyed the whole uh, thing just as much as we all did. So, uh, And then uh, Logan Hutsko, a freshman from Tampa who's playing for BC, had a natural hat trick in the third period to force overtime. They ended up losing, which means that BC doesn't have a non-conference win this whole season, which in and of itself is amazing. But for moving forward, Two things. One, pay attention to what Logan Hutsko does. Three goals in the third period against a pretty good team in Harvard. And BC has some – they've got some young talent that uh, will develop. This is not the year in which they'll do so. I think they'll fall out. I think either Providence or Northeastern can slash will overtake them. But BC is going to be dangerous in the next few years with that young talent that they're building. Yeah, it's going to be a different hockey East in a couple of years. It's, I think that's going to be the way it goes for a while, that schools are getting better and better at recruiting. And that means even though there are more prospects every year that come into college hockey, it seems to be growing almost exponentially. It's not like the same few teams can pick them all up like they used to, where hockey East if you were a top prospect, you went to one of four schools for a very long time. And now you see pretty much every hockey school is drawing in the occasional NHL caliber prospect that makes this conference very malleable and very different than, than we're used to with the kind of older days of Maine and New Hampshire and the constants of BU and BC. Yeah. 
Northeastern is in the mix of having real talents and real development. But uh, so BC had moments in which they looked good. They didn't end up winning, which is amazing because they are first place in the Hockey East by two points. And they do not have an out-of-conference victory this season. I can't help but look at that and find it to be anything other than incredible. The fact that they do not have an out-of-conference victory this season. And they're still in first place in the Hockey East. I can't think of any other team that has done that in recent years. Yeah, I can't think of that ever happening. I will say this, though, and I don't know if it's to BC's credit, but it, it's along the same lines, that throughout pretty much every college sport, you'll hear people bemoan the out-of-conference schedule that the large schools will take because they usually take softer out-of-conference schedules to pad their record and to pad their tournament case should they need to pad their case or in football you know you can't lose a game really so they pad them with cupcakes bc and to by the same token bu did not do that they took on some very tough out of conference opponents bc doesn't have an out of conference win but that's very largely a result of taking a very ambitious schedule and it's hard for me to fault them for that because that's the kind of thing that sports fans wish every school did. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think it was to their detriment that they stacked their schedules so badly. So here are the, the teams that they played. They hosted Wisconsin. They played a series at St. Cloud. They hosted Denver. They played Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan. I mean, just... Wow, and their first game of the season was against Quinnipiac, who's having a down year, but still, they, they're a pretty successful program. But Wisconsin and St. Cloud and Denver, as your three highlight out-of-conference teams, is that's, that's ambitious, and I don't think it worked at all. So uh, I can respect the idea, and I can respect the effort, but if it doesn't work, then... It doesn't work, and unfortunately, I'm forced to look at it as these were the opponents on on your schedule, and you didn't do it. I mean, by contrast, and it's not even that they lost. It's the way they lost. They got destroyed by St. Cloud on the road. They got beaten badly by Wisconsin, and they got beaten very, very badly by Denver at home, 6-1. So I can't help but look at that and – not wonder if either they if they were too aggressive and uh, just have some questions about uh, about their their program moving forward. I can say the same thing about BU as well because they got swept by Mankato and didn't look good in either of those games. They lost to Cornell, but at least they were close against them. They lost to Denver, but again, at least it was kind of close. So. Those are really the only bits of uh, defense that I think BU's out-of-conference schedule, aside from the fact that they won against Union at Quinnipiac, that I could make as I think BU handled their, themselves in the out-of-conference better than BC. But to go the whole year without winning one out-of-conference victory, without beating Quinnipiac or Harvard or 
uh, or Michigan Tech or Northern Michigan without getting a victory in one of those games is kind of incredible. And I don't think they can win without uh, – I don't think they can make the NCAA tournament without winning the, the Blue Lamarillo Trophy in the Hockey East tournament. I'd agree with that. I think that fans of any school that would be snubbed for, you know, in favor of BC would have every right to be furious because you have to, I, like I said, I admire the ambition in the schedule and I wish more schools did that, but you have to win those games or at least some of them you have to make your case and they couldn't do it. They, they lost every one of those games the Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan, they lost in Las Vegas. So they, they, in that case, it was a tournament format as well. But it's just, it, it, you can't get into the tournament if you don't have an out-of-conference win unless they win their conference, which well, they well, could me... do. But we again, we've seen them up against Northeastern, and we saw them up against Northeastern last week. So that's going to be a tough out for them. They've had trouble... Yeah. with Providence as well. So when it comes to playing the top teams in Hockey East, BC's going to have trouble, and they won't be at home for those. They'll be in the TD Garden. And let me be fair for a second, because they didn't lose every out-of-conference game. They tied Quinnipiac, and they tied Harvard right after Thanksgiving, 4-4 four to four at home, and they tied Northern Michigan. They didn't lose every game, but the fact remains they still didn't win. Any of them. But I think you're right. BC is probably the team in the weakest position to really make a run at it just because of uh, their bit of momentum, which they don't really have much of that going for them right now. So uh, long-term, if if I'm thinking about it a couple of years from now, I think that uh, BC is actually in a fairly good position because all the players are going to come back next year. Most I can't imagine most of those guys at BC leaving after this year with how disappointing this year's Beanpot was. They'll be back for another round to try and improve their fortunes, especially Logan Hutzko. I think he's a good college player. I think he could become a great college player and would benefit from more time to develop in uh, in hockey and developing under Jerry York's system. I think BC is going to be fine long-term, but it just isn't their year this year. Uh, Harvard is in an interesting position because they won and they've got some pretty good opponents on the way uh, this weekend and they're going to do it without their clear best player in Ryan Donato. So I think Harvard is in the most interesting position to pay attention to. Of the uh, of the teams in the Beanpot Comso game, yeah, I'd say that's a that's a fair point. Harvard and Harvard's had a season a lot like BU's season that was that started out a little rough and then they got hot. And when they're on a streak, they can look really good, but it's going to be really interesting to see what Harvard does without Ryan Donato because Donato was a huge part of that team, the leader of that team and if he didn't go to the Olympics, I don't know if we'd be having the same conversation about Adam Gaudet being the Hobie Baker front runner. It might be co-front runners at that point. So oh, yeah. there, there's there's very much that as well in in BC, but you're or in, in in Harvard's games coming up. And you're right, BC is a team 
that in a couple of years could be very, very good. And that speaks to something you were saying um, last week about player development being a, a big part of college hockey. And as much as these schools want to get the future stars, they need players that can stick around a little bit and develop a sense of program. And I think you were talking before we started recording that Adam Gaudet said something that really spoke to how far Northeastern's turned their program around and how their players think of their program. Yeah, so worth noting, Adam Gaudet is from Saugus, Massachusetts, which is on the North Shore. It's about 20 minutes north of Boston. I live in Malden, and uh, Saugus is the bordering town uh, just down uh, just down. Route 60 for me. So I'm right next to it. And Saugus, the North Shore in general has produced some really good hockey talent. Dickie Millie's a North Shore guy uh, through uh, for a lot of his, uh, his early years. So um, he grew up here, and he always wanted to go to a Beanpot school. And eventually, when he figured out that he could uh, play college hockey, he uh, he determined that he wanted to play for one of the one of the four Beanpot schools, and eventually settled on Northeastern. And now, as a junior, he's a Beanpot champion. And last night in the press conference, he was asked because he had a chance to play on the Olympic team. I think he was one of the last guys to be cut from the U.S. Olympic team. He was asked, "Would you rather win a Beanpot?" or be playing on the Olympics. And without any hesitation, he said, I would rather win a bean pot. Because this is something that is, is for a local guy, a local kid growing up and being aware of the history of this tournament. I, I totally get that. I mean, I get being patriotic and you never poo-poo anyone for wanting to go play on the Olympic team because, uh, I mean, I'm sure Gautet would have done incredibly well playing for the United States Olympic team, but you know, it really does mean so much to get to uh, to be a part of this whole thing. So for someone who grew up here and for someone who is a product of Massachusetts hockey, it makes all the sense in the world that he wanted to win this tournament. But also, uh, Northeastern is the product of incredible player development in recent years and their top line they were together in 2016 when they went to the NCAA tournament they had the same power play even back then with Nolan Stevens and uh and Adam Gaudet and Dylan Sakura they had that power play together then this is two additional years thrown on top of it and they went three for three in the power play last night and they were so clearly the best unit development matters in this sport and you can't win without growing as a unit. Northeastern exemplifies that beautifully. I, in a lot of what I saw after the game from people who were there, or people who were on campus for Northeastern, it was a generational game for Northeastern. It was one of those, I, I, I guess that's kind of obvious because of all the history that they had coming into that game as they hadn't won since 1988. But there were people that were there with their fathers. There were, it seemed like everyone I knew who went to Northeastern 
was tweeting about the game and watching it somewhere or following it somehow. I was getting text messages from people I hadn't talked to in a while. It, it was it was one of those nights for Northeastern, and it kind of the third period really reminded me of. I, I've seen the comparison to 2004 and the Red Sox drawn out before um, since last night. And it really reminded me of game seven of that ALCS where the Red Sox got out to that huge lead early on and Johnny Damon hit a grand slam. And it kind of felt like a celebration for most of the rest of that game. And that was the third period that Northeastern came out and kept BU at bay for the first few minutes of the third period. And it started to dawn on me and uh, and on Northeastern fans that it, it stopped being a thing that was going to happen and started being a thing that was happening right now. And that it, it became that moment. And there was, as you mentioned, there was that mo that other, that counterpoint tossed in when BU scored with the extra attacker to make it, four to two at the time where just a little bit of the doubt had to creep in much like when Pedro Martinez came in in game seven and didn't look so great for a little bit and then everything went back to normal very quickly it it was that kind of a game and it, it's it's almost it, it almost seems weird to say that about a, a tournament in February with so much to go. We have, you know, if you're into the NHL as well, we have four months of playoff hockey left. And by the way, how great is that? We have four months of playoff hockey left. This is just the beginning of playoff hockey season, especially now that there's an Olympic year. It just doesn't stop. It goes from the bean pot to the, Olympic tournament to the conference tournaments to the NCAAs to the NHL playoffs. Get pumped, people. I mean, you get the benefit of uh, you have stakes in all of it. You are, of course, a patriot and you want to see the uh, United States win. Uh, you in both the men's and the women's games. You're no, you've got Northeastern who won the bean pot already. So you've already got one trophy down if, uh, from your perspective and you're hoping probably a whole bunch more, you could absolutely make a run uh, for the Hockey East Championship. And I would dare say that Northeastern will get a lot of uh, people who don't really believe in them in the NCAA tournaments as well. Plus, you also get the Lightning, who are really good and uh, could make a run at the Stanley Cup. So you specifically are in for a very special time as a uh, as a hockey fan, but yeah, as a general observer of the sport, this is the best time to be a fan of it because there's some great stuff. And it must be noted that the other teams who took part in the Beanpot also have some really good stuff to look forward to moving down the road. Of, of course, BC is still leading the standings, and they could they could push for another regular season trophy and uh, hang another banner up there and. I wouldn't rule it out to get back to the Garden. Harvard is still fairly well positioned in the ECAC and has got games against St. Lawrence and Clarkson on Saturday, nationally leading Clarkson, which uh, I'm going to be covering later on, So, and then at Brown and Yale for rivalry games. So they've got some good stuff to look forward to. DU 
has also got uh, some good expectations, especially since they're going to get Jordan Greenway back for the postseason, and they get to face UConn, Merrimack, and Vermont. And I think they're better than all of those teams, and they should, at least on paper, win all of those. So, And Northeastern has, of course, their run. So for anyone paying attention to any of the teams, don't tune out just because the bean pot's all done. There's a lot of really interesting and fun stuff to look forward to moving on here. Oh, certainly. And you mentioned the the Lightning, who I, I cover, and actually I'll be watching them Thursday night at Amelie Arena when they're when they're back at home. And after an eight game road trip, those those home games seem so precious now. But um it's funny. I I've been waiting to say this one too, that Northeastern plays a lot like the Lightning play in in a few ways, and that both teams have a young goalie coming into his own. Both teams have a first line that when it's going is nearly unstoppable. And both teams can be on their heels when the other team controls the puck. And that's kind of the way to beat them is to, to keep them on their heels all game and try and keep that first line at bay. So it, it it's funny. I was watching the game last night and just thinking, I feel like I've seen this game seven times already this year, except none of them had this kind of weight on it. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably about accurate. That's actually a really good description for uh, for all of this stuff. So this is this is actually the best time of year because we're one tournament down, and for us Boston guys, this is a crazy meaningful tournament. I still will remind people or I still will remember for myself that there were media people at the Garden after Harvard and BU finished overtime in the first round of the Beanpot who genuinely wanted to see this tournament turned into five minute overtime in the shootouts and I have to question the reasoning behind that so uh, we're one tournament down and we've got a bunch more to go. I think this is the best time of year to be a hockey fan because you've got a taste of it and now there's you can get yourself excited for even more stuff to come. It's, I I would say in response to those reporters that you overheard on on after the semifinal does it look like just a regular season tournament now? Did you see last night? Did it look like a regular season tournament last night to you? From BU's perspective, it kind of was, and that's part I need to reiterate how disappointed I am that more BU people, for whatever reason, for timing stuff or whatever, were not either were not able to go or didn't go. I, I have been disappointed with the turnout because the fans who go to BU games are loud and get into it. And I think that the people who go are as passionate as any in the entire college sports scene. But why are there ever any empty seats at a Gannis Arena? And why are there and why were there so many places and opportunities in which BU could have found ways to get people into the garden and uh, could have found ways to get themselves more seats? I'm just, just so disappointed that uh, that BU didn't turn out 
in uh, in bigger droves to support their team last night. The Northeastern, though, they looked like it was a postseason game because it was for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it, it really was, and 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 I do I do think the weight that it carries for Northeastern helped that along. That a lot of the last minute tickets were Northeastern fans that would that that were really trying to get into that building as you know and and some of them one of the parts that amazed me was that there was a northeastern fan he was shown on the jumbotron he was shown throughout the um throughout the nesson broadcast that brought a sign that said now i can graduate in peace and <laughs> and it was an amazing sign and i saw it and i thought that's a great line and i also thought a northeastern student that was going to the game decided before the game to make a banner in anticipation that Northeastern would win that game. And I had to wonder if that would have happened when I, I was at Northeastern. I don't know if people went to those bean pop finals and brought banners like that. I have a feeling they didn't. And that was, that was one of those, those moments, but really the moment that got me, and I'll link this on our blog talk radio page is Northeastern hockey tweeted out a picture where they put the bean pot on the ice and right in front of the bean pot, they put Jack Grenold's name, his um, desk. Uh, I, I don't know. his desk sign that had his name on it and took the picture and tweeted out for Jack. Jack Grenold was the sports information director at Northeastern for what seemed like ever. And nobody cared about Northeastern more than Jack Grenold. He was the guy that kind of, he, he was the constant in the athletics department and he passed away last year. So it, it was really, I mean, I work in sports writing and sports journalism now. And a lot of how I learned to do that job was taught to me by Jack Grenold. So I think a lot of people that interacted with Northeastern over the years saw that. And that was kind of the thing that drove it home um, even more than watching the other fans rejoicing and seeing the pictures from punters pub, which Again, that was amazing too, and all the thoughts that came up that that they did that that was such a great um fitting way to end it and that that really got me so so that was that was a great moment at the end of the bean pot to me and it's a completely deserved moment of celebration it It's a completely deserved dude enjoy it it's one of those. It's one of those crazy things that it only happens so frequently when your team wins after so so long of uh, of not of not going after and not winning it. So um, enjoy it, dude. And all Northeastern fans, congratulations! You guys are a great team, and really, you guys should win. You guys should win the conference and. Go fight for national championship. Go play. Go go shut everyone from outside of Hockey East to uh, think that this conference is not uh, up to its luster. Go prove them wrong because 
you guys have the talent to make something of it. Go go prove them wrong. Is uh, is the way that I would take uh, that I would I would look at it. It's a great Northeastern team. It might be your best team in years, so be proud of it. And, and I would add to that that that's part of why I brought up the Game 7 of the ALCS comparison. There is still hockey left to play for Northeastern, and I, I've been hiding confidence for a while. I couldn't be more confident. I hope the listeners can hear that I just played the Northeastern fight song in the background for a, for a moment. So, um, you know, that, that's how I'm feeling right now. This has been Puck University's Beanpot Special. Northeastern wins the Beanpot 5-2 to two over Boston University. Chris Lynch from InsideHockey.com. You've already given your Twitter, but give it to everybody again and tell people where they can find you elsewhere on social media. I am on Twitter at CC Lynch Wall, all lowercase is Wall as in uh, as in uh, the thing, uh, and CC Lynch is in my initials and last name, and on uh, Instagram at CC Lynch sixteen. The year I graduated from Boston University, and I've got a lot of hockey games that I'm covering this week. Wednesday, I'm in Durham to uh, see UNH host the University of Maine. Thursday, I'm in Amherst, Massachusetts. For uh, for BC against the Minutemen on Friday night, I am at Bentley University for the opening of a brand new shiny glass-laden on-campus arena for the Bentley Falcons when they host the Black Knights of Army. And Saturday, I am in Bright Landry Hockey Center for Harvard and Clarkson. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Puck University's Beanpot Preview. I'm your host, Tim Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports. Northeastern fans, keep celebrating. Keep enjoying this. Keep singing Stacy's Mom, even if no one quite knows why. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, keep your head up and your hits clean.